0: This morning I'm going to begin in uh, Hebrews 11:7. Hebrews 11:7 In verse 6 it talks about how it's impossible to please God except by faith. That we, In order to please God we must believe that He is and that He will reward us for diligently seeking Him. And then in verse 7 it says, By faith Noah, being divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his household, by which he condemned the world and became heir of righteousness, which is according to faith this morning, this today being Father's day, we look at this father here and his uh taking responsibility that taking this step of faith for him and for his household that saved his household. And this is not a message just to Father, this is a message to all of us that we can have influence for good in the lives of others. And you see that it says that Noah moved with godly fear. This is something taught in the New Testament. There's ungodly fear. In the book of Revelation, it talks about how that. People, when Jesus is coming, it says people uh, go up into the caves and they call for the rocks to fall on them, to hide them from the face of him who sits on the throne. That's not godly fear. You know, this is an ungodly fear, the fear of the ungodly. But the fear of the godly is different. The fear of the godly causes them to respond to the fear of the Lord in wisdom and in righteousness so there's a difference and again this is this is something that speaks to all of us not just fathers even though Noah was a father and you see that not only can we have an influence in people's lives for good but we can also neglect our responsibilities and that can have a missed opportunities. We we'll call them missed opportunities to be able to have an influence in the lives of others, whether it be our children, people that God brings into our lives, uh, people that are in trouble. Whatever God shows us, that we can have an influence in the lives of others, and really be a positive influence, or be. A non-influence in the lives of people or even a negative influence. And it's with that understanding that we look at the story of Noah. It was by faith that he did that because he believed God's declaration. Uh, the world's going to be judged and you need to do something about it to save yourselves and your household. And so, in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 4, it says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the training and the admonition or the instruction of the Lord. A responsibility that can have a positive effect in the lives of children. It addresses fathers specifically doesn't mean that mothers uh, uh, don't have that that positive influence, too. But specifically in Ephesians, it talks about, on one hand, not provoking them to anger. And in Colossians, it says something similar. It says, don't provoke your children, lest they be discouraged. So, but it says, but bring them up in the training instruction or admonition of the Lord. Admonition means warning or correction, those sorts of things. It's that God gives us teachable moments with our children when they make mistakes, when they're in rebellion. And it's important to not respond and to meet their shortcomings with anger. But instead it says to nurture them and to instruct them and correct them, of course, in love. And these responsibilities um, should be taken very seriously for for parents, specifically it talks to fathers here. But you see that, as it says in the book of Proverbs, uh, train up the children in the way they should go when they are old will not depart from them there's something very important about the influence that we can have in the lives of others for children we teach them the word we we guide them in the, in the word of god and teach them about practical things as well as spiritual things you know teach them about respecting authority teach them all the things that they you know to try to be a, a, that kind of influence on their life but it doesn't end there The Bible says that the training ground for eldership, for example, or pastorship, is in the home. That they, they learn, you know, to run their own household first. It says, how can they rule the house of God if they don't know how to rule their own household? So there's, this is a training ground about being an influence in the lives of others. And to the elders, it says, feed the flock of God that is among you. It is an opportunity for influence. Jesus said to his disciples, preach the gospel into all the world and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. That was first given to the disciples as before Jesus' ascension. But all those are not here anymore. So now that influence, that command to to have that influence in others, to share and to and to be a light of the world is now upon us. You are the light of the world. Let your light so shine before men, that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. That goes far beyond the home. It starts in the home, but it goes everywhere we go. Light If we're the light of the world, that means in this dark world, no matter where we go, we should be that, you know, shining that light and be that influence. So people might be influenced to hear the word and to see the word in action, to see the love of Jesus in our lives towards others, and to see the respect of living the Christian life. That God has commanded us to. The next one I want to look at is in Genesis chapter 18. And this is the Lord speaking. And as the Lord is speaking, he's talking about how he's going to go to Sodom and Gomorrah here. The Lord has appeared to Abraham. verse 16, Genesis 18, verse 16, Then the men arose from the from there and looked toward Sodom and Abraham went with them to send them on the way and the lord said shall i hide from abraham what i am doing since abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him for i have known him in order that he may command his children and his household after him that they make that they keep the way of the lord to do righteousness and justice That the Lord may bring to Abraham what he has spoken to him. So, God talked about Abraham here. God speaking of Abraham here. That he may command command his children that they keep the way of the Lord. And that is a responsibility as we read from Ephesians. And where it talked about teaching them. In uh, instructing them and, and uh, admonishing them in the Lord. And you see it here in, in God talking about Abraham that he may command his household that they keep the way of the Lord. Now, say, well, somebody said, well, I commanded my I taught my children these things, but they're not, now that they're grown up, they're not following. Some of them may not be following in, in the Lord and everything, but it doesn't depart from them. It will follow them all the days of their life. And uh what we will talk about next is about the intercession of the of believers, including fathers, but to never give up but to uh, to hold fast to the promises of God concerning those things and we see as this story unfolds God, uh, the Lord begins to talk about the outcry of Sodom and Gomorrah. In verse 22, then the men turned away from there and went toward Sodom and Gomorrah, but Abraham still stood before the Lord. And Abraham came near and said, Would you also destroy the righteous with the wicked? Suppose there were fifty righteous within the city. Would you also destroy the place and not spare it for the fifty righteous that were in it? Far be it from you to do such a thing as this, to slay the righteous with the wicked, so that the righteous should be as the wicked." Far be it from you. Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? And so the Lord said, If I find in Sodom 50 righteous within the city, then I will spare all the place for their sakes. And as you follow the story, Abraham continues pleading with the Lord for 40, 30, 20, and finally 10. And Abraham stops pleading for him at 10. As it turns out, there was Lot and his two daughters and his wife were the only ones who left. There wasn't ten there. And of course on the way out as they were leaving, uh, judgment came to Lot's wife. But you see that, you see the instruction, I mean the, I'm sorry, the the intercession of Abraham towards toward the Lord. And as you see, his motivation was he knew his nephew and his nephew's family was there. Lot and his family were there. And he didn't want them to be judged. He kind of, even though it doesn't actually say it there, he kind of kind of perceived that God was going to bring judgment against Sodom and Gomorrah. He says, Oh Lord, you know, you know, and he begins to plead for the righteous in Sodom and Gomorrah. And so as we go into chapter 19. It says in verse 27 and Abraham went out early in the morning to the place where he had stood before the Lord and he looked toward Sodom and Gomorrah and toward all the land of the plain and he saw and behold the smoke of the land which went up like the smoke of a furnace and it came to pass when God destroyed the cities of the plain that God remembered Abraham and sent Lot out of the midst of the overthrow when he overthrew the cities in which Lot had dwelt. <clears throat> God remembered the prayer of Abraham, it says here. God remembered Abraham and sent Lot out of the midst of the overthrow. And you see that when the angels told them to leave, that they were sluggish about leaving, and then they had to take him by the hand and, and walk them out of, the angels had to walk them out of Sodom and Gomorrah. Out of him to to, to uh, safety before, and, and the angels actually told him, "We can't do anything till you leave this place. No judgment could fall until they left." But we see here that the prayer, the the prayer of the righteous man produced much here. That God responded to the prayer of Abraham here. The influence that we can have towards others in many ways in instruction. And teaching and preaching in our life and in our influence in the way we live, our actions and in our prayers. The intercession of the believer. The intercession for a household for a body of believers for those who God brings into our life. This is powerful. The next one we will go to is in Numbers chapter 11. I wrote 11, but I don't think it was 11. I think it's it's 14, sorry. Numbers chapter 14. Beginning in verse 11, okay. There's 11 in there somewhere. This is after the spies come back and the, they want to the stone Joshua and Caleb for bringing a good report. God speaks to Moses in verse 11, Numbers 14, 11. Then the Lord said to Moses, How long will these people reject me? How long will they not believe me in all the signs which I have performed? I will strike them with pestilence and disinherit them, and I may give you a nation greater and mightier than they and Moses said to the Lord then the Egyptians will hear it for by your might you brought these people up from among them and they will tell the inhabitants of this land they have heard that you Lord are among these people and that you Lord are seen face to face and your cloud stands above them and you go before them and they have a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night now if you kill these people as one man then the nations will which have heard of your fame will speak saying Because the Lord was not able to bring this people to the land which he swore to give them, therefore he killed them in the wilderness. And now I pray, let the power of my Lord be great, just as you have spoken, saying, the Lord is long-suffering, abundant in mercy, forgiving iniquity and transgression. Verse 19, Pardon the iniquity of this people, I pray, according to the greatness of your mercy, just as you have forgiven this people from Egypt, even until now. And the Lord said, I have pardoned according to your word. God forgave and withheld judgment from those who the Lord had slated for judgment through the prayers, through the prayer of Moses. And it shouldn't be Overlooked for the Christian and the priesthood of the believer You remember in the communion meditation when I read that he made us to be a nation of priests and kings to our God What is the role of a priest? the role of a priest Is to intercede for the people to intercede for others to stand in the gap for others Jesus came the high priest of our faith and interceded for us for us through his own blood to the Father. And we are called, as God has called us, to be kings and priests to our God. Priests to God. For who? For what? For those that God has in our life. To seek God for it and to pray for. It. Here, I mean Moses saved the whole nation, in a sense, through his prayer. I mean, God, with all judgment, but it says, I have pardoned them according to your word, Moses. It shows that we have influence. We're not. If we neglect this, we don't have that influence. If we don't believe it, we don't have that influence. It begins to open our eyes to the magnitude of... Of the responsibility that we have in family, in marriage, in church, workplace, neighborhood, and all those that are around us. Because darkness is all around us. And we are the light. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. But that light at this present time, He ascended and is seated at the right hand of the Father. That light is through us. They say you are the light of the world because he has put his light in us to be an influence to intercede and to be a priest in that sense not the sense that I grew up in having the the pastors or ministers whatever you're going to call them are called priests and they use this kind of thing to, to explain that but it was taken in a bizarre direction but there is a a truth in all that is what we read here that we can be uh, very uh, very important in the lives of others book of James brothers if any among you wanders from the faith who's it addressing brothers many of you wander from the faith and one turns him back let him know that he who turns a sinner from the error of his way shall save a soul from death and cover a multitude of sins so uh, we're not the savior christ is the of course but god can use us this is expa- explaining it is that god can use us in the process of saving somebody, turning, bringing somebody back from their backsliding, bringing somebody away from darkness and on the way to judgment, the same way Moses did here, by being an influence between us and God for that person. And also to reach out to them in different ways. to Be a vessel of mercy and kindness to them and show them the love of Jesus. Light. I have pardoned, and the Lord said, I have pardoned according to your word. The next one is in Numbers 16, a couple of chapters down the road. And, and this is in Korah's Rebellion. And we'll start here in verse... Um, Verse 41, <clears throat> And on the next day all the congregation of the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron, saying, You have killed the people of the Lord, and God brought judgment against some of them. And on the next day, oh sorry, Now it happened when the congregation gathered against Moses and Aaron. that they turned toward the tabernacle of meeting, and suddenly the cloud covered it, and the glory of the Lord appeared. And then Moses and Aaron came before the tabernacle of meeting. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Get away from among this congregation, that I may consume them in a moment. And they fell on their faces. So Moses said to Aaron, Take a censer, and put fire in it from the altar, put incense in it, and take it quickly to the congregation, and make atonement, or covering, for them. For wrath has gone out from the Lord, the plague has begun. And Moses took it as Moses commanded, I ran into the midst of the assembly, and already the plague had begun among the people. So he put in the incense and made atonement for the people. And he stood between the dead and the living, and so the plague was stopped. Now, those who died in the plague were 14,700. And Aaron stood between the dead and the living, and the plague was stopped. The intercession of Aaron here, in the office of the priest, he was high priest, and you see, this is, first of all, it's a, it's a picture of Christ, standing between the dead and the living. But also, it's a picture of people about to be judged and somebody interceding for them. as a priest. An, inter- an intercessor. A priest is an intercessor. Someone who intercedes on the behalf of others. Christ interced- was an intercessor on our behalf. The book of Hebrews clearly explains all that in detail. But it is also a message to us, and as we look at the next one we'll see it even more clearly, But you see that, where did the plague stop? Where did God's judgment stop? Where where Aaron was standing and interceding for the people. 14,700 people were destroyed in the plague. And it stopped where Aaron was. The next one is in Ezekiel chapter 22. Ezekiel 22, beginning in verse 29. This is the Lord speaking to Ezekiel here. He says, The people of the land have used oppression, committed robbery, and mistreated the poor and the needy, and they wrongfully oppressed the stranger. So I sought for a man among them who would make a wall and stand in the gap before me on the behalf of the land, that I should not destroy it. But I found no one. Therefore, because I found no one, therefore, I have poured out my indignation on them. I have consumed them with the fire of my wrath. I have repaid their deeds on their own heads, says the Lord God. And that, of course, is what happened. The story of Israel and Judah exactly what happened that God brought Nebuchadnezzar and judgment came on, on the land of Israel, the land of Judah. Jerusalem was destroyed. And he says he sought for someone to stand in the gap, to be an intercessor for him. He said, I didn't find anybody. was therefore, because that was true, I poured out my judgment on that. Now, I remember the first time I read this story and it stuck out to me. I mean, I read it before, but one day it just stuck out. It stuck out, and I was like, "Well, you know, because nobody prayed for them and inter- interceded for the for the Israel, it seemed a little bit bizarre to me." But one of the things we come to understand about God is that He's different than us. You know, I remember when I was a young Christian, one saying, "Well, if I were God, I would..." And then I stopped myself, saying, "Well, you know, I'm not God. You know, just you begin to realize." Like it says in Samuel, God is not a man. So to expect him to think like us and to have our kind of logic, God says, my ways are not your ways and your ways are not my ways. Just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are that much higher than your ways. But the fact of the matter is, maybe, maybe we don't fully understand that, but he's at least understand this much. He's revealing to us this truth. That he's, you see this here. That he is seeking for people to intercede on the behalf of others. <clears throat> and you see, these are people that deserve judgment. They're robbing the poor and the needy, mistreating them, committing robbery. Oppressing others, oppressing strangers, doing all kinds of evil. They just you know, God says, "Well, they deserve judgment. I'm going to bring judgment against them." But before I do, I'm going to look and see if anybody's calling out. This is a message of hope for us, for us, for our loved ones. They're not yet saved. They've drifted away. those who God has brought into our life. For brothers and sisters who have wandered from the faith. And people, our neighbors, people that we've come to meet, fellow workers, and so on, that don't know the Lord. This is a message of hope. And it's a message of hope. It comes directly to us. Knowing the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. Knowing that judgment is coming. It says that Noah was a preacher of righteousness. Judgment is coming. You see that the call of the prophets God sent prophets out to call the Israelites to repentance time and again. You see it in the book of Judges, Samuels, Kings, Chronicles. You see it through the prophets like Ezekiel and all the others. God does not want to, He does not take delight in the destruction of the wicked, those who are not in the Lord, haven't been forgiven. God wants to use us in that process to. But the fact of the matter is we can get absorbed in our own life and just let this series of truths drift away from us, and our purposes in life can become uh much more earthly practical, yes, earthly, yes, but what's more important than the souls of men? That's what we have to ask ourselves. So on Father's Day, the call to be a light to our families, the call to every Christian, to be a light to all those around us, an influence. Because God wants to use us in that process. That's what I have, brothers, so I'll leave it, leave it for me.